All right, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the Respectfully Unruly Podcast with your boy AB and your man. Just call him Just. Um, pretty uh, eventful week, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's like what's beef? You know what I'm saying? We had a uh, KD and Michael Rappaport go back to back, and uh, well, all right. Let me give you a couple of uh, like some backstory here. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, so Mike Rappaport recently released a couple of um series of DMs. Of he and Mr. Kevin Durant going back and forth. Um, in the in the tweets, it's it's pretty um it's pretty vulgar <laughs> to say the least, you know what I'm saying? Um KD's calling him. Well, it all stems from that um that uh interview that KD did on with T inside the NBA on TNT where he gave uh Charles Barkley that um one word answer or that one word response. Um, so, uh, I think Michael, uh, Rappaport said something to the effect of like criticizing KD and KD responded back. So he called him pale face. He said he was, uh, a sea guzzler. He brought his wife into it. And this, that, and the third, um, Michael Rappaport, uh, was saying something to the effect of, um, <laughs> why don't you help the kids in Brownsville? Funny enough, I'm from Brownsville. Um, I'm trying to look for. The actual tweets. Essentially, you know. Uh, oh wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me. Hold on. Wait. Katie just started shooting <laughs> shots at him at his neck. He said, "You were." He said, "No, this is this is the original Michael Rappaport tweet." Katie seen deeply in his feelings with the at an NBA on TNT crew after the game. Damn it, he's super sensitive about everything. Don't do the interview. Then Katie responded, "You bitch." Just then, <laughs> Michael responded. Just do the fucking interview, and if you're upset about something they've said, say something up there looking like you were going to cry and shit. Uh, KD responded with, I did the interview, you dickhead. Tell your baby daddy Chuck to be better at his job and frame his questions better. He gave me two options for that dumbass question, yes or no. And then it just devolved from there where KD uh, called actually actually um kind of used the kind of homophobic slurs and challenged um mike rapaport to fight um me personally i don't really see this as like a a big deal like my my whole thing is that everybody calls kd sensitive for replying to people that talks on his name like dog at this point you should already know that KD hears everything. He hears and sees everything. So if you say his name, he's going to be like Candyman. He's coming to see you. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and that's his right. You know what I'm saying? Like, just be why just because we look at him as like one of the best basketball players to ever live doesn't doesn't um doesn't mean that he can't be human. You know what I'm saying? Like, if someone says something about me, I'll, I'm gonna say something back. You know what I'm saying? Uh, people do it every day on Twitter. Like average Joes do it every day on Twitter. I think people forget that at the end of the day, people are human. You know what I'm saying? Just because you see him on TV doesn't mean that they don't have the same feelings as as you and I. You know what I'm saying? So that's just like a little snippet of what I felt. Uh, what about you? <clears throat> yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. So last night I was watching uh, Any Given Sunday, and mm-hmm. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Uh, the only reason I watch is because I guess. Uh, HBO Max is kicking it off uh, its service, so you know it's going to bounce around the world to whoever wants to watch it. But uh, I was watching it, and uh, you see this movie, I'm assuming. Of course. Okay. 
Do you remember the scene where Jamie Foxx is having the interview with um, the guy from Scrubs? Mm-hmm. This is the second, I think the second interview. And it ties into okay. the idea of like, uh, it ties into the idea of like where, where I'm going with this. And like, so he, he's sitting down and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but Jamie Foxx essentially is just sitting here just like, I already kind of know my worth. Like I've been his character for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, um, you should see it. Uh, Jamie Foxx is the backup quarterback, Thurston quarterback. Injuries happen. He ends up becoming the star quarterback of the team, trying to help them make it to the playoffs. Uh, he has had, he's been, which is very unrealistic. He's, this is the fifth team he's been on. He was, uh, you know, cut, released, traded a bunch of times, uh, falling a bunch of spots in the draft. He's had a hard NFL career, and you can see this kind of, like, shaped him into a very, like, I don't care type of mentality. And yeah. transitions into like his conversation with Al Pacino, who's the head coach. And he he's talking about how like this isn't a team. I'm here to get mine. As soon as Cap, who's the starting quarterback, David Quaid, uh, gets healthy, he's gonna put uh Jamie Foxx back on the bench and then he'll be done. And Jamie Foxx's whole point is like, look, I know what it is. I got he he fell in the draft because he took some money from a booster. They fell in the draft. He's like, I know what the game is. I'm here to get my money and get out. And mm-hmm. I think the analogy that I'm using is like, I understand it's a football analogy, but that's the same thing kind of like with KD, where it's like, he don't care really about what he cares when he doesn't care. He's not trying to put himself in a position where like, you're going to see KD the way we look at Magic Johnson or the way we look at, you know, uh, LeBron when LeBron retires. Like, LeBron's in movies now, like, big-time movies. He he is full-fledged in that, like, I am going to be a Hollywood star in the next 10 years, you know? He's going to be in our lives long after he retires, doing whatever. Um, KD's not going to be like that. He's probably going to be more of, like, the Kareem, where, like, you, you know about Kareem because he's really good, but, like, once Kareem retired, he didn't really do anything. He did, like, some Bruce Lee movies, stuff like that, but... He's like a peculiar kind of guy. That's kind of what KD is. And I think that Boy, well, just to just to, of- let me let me interject real quick. Just to just the thing about Kareem is that Kareem was like very off-putting to a lot of people because he was um pro black. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so well, whatever the reason from, is, yeah. A lot of that sense from that. He's not warm and cuddly, you know? Yeah. And that's what Kevin Durant yeah. is. And he's not warm and cuddly. He's not a guy um who has a hive. If you think about all, like, the superstar players, at least American-born, I don't think maybe Joker has a hive yet, but from Steph, LeBron, Harden has a hive. Uh, you know, Clay Hive is an interesting dynamic. Russ has a hive. He's, like, the only superstar, at, at least an American-born superstar, who doesn't have, like, a hive. Who's like, there are a set of people online that are just going to ride for this guy, and it's like, and he doesn't embrace himself to people. I personally don't care, like, so long as you're able to ball. I think what I look at is, like, to me, in taking all that uh, negativity, it can't be helpful for you mentally. It doesn't affect him on the court, but I do wonder how that affects him going forward, like, in his, like, day-to-day life. Because, you know, they always say, there's always a saying around, like, athletes, the athletes die two deaths. They have their careers that die and we don't ever like look at most of them that way and they have a physical death. 
And I wonder when he has his retirement and he's done, is he still going to like look back at this time and being like, why was I wasting my time talking to these fools? But I don't know. Some guys can internalize it and not care. You know, I, I know myself personally, and like, I can't speak to like his personal um, stuff. I could not take, you know, due to like, would not give me the same energy if I saw him in person talking this spicy to me. I personally don't think I could take that, but maybe he is. And maybe he's just like some guy who's able just to give some shots back and forth. So that's, that's, I guess, like how I think stuff goes down with him. To uh, just to put like a little bow on this, um, to me, I think this is like a part of his like recreation. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of NBA players tend to like play video games on a the side. They collect cars, collect wardrobe, whatever, whatever they do. And I think this is just like something that KD does, just to you know, get by through the um the boring uh times of his day you know you know um i don't really think this is as serious as people tend to make it out to be i think this is something that is that has never been seen before so that's why people make it a big issue with a star the caliber of kd and he and him constantly um retweeting or responding to people that he necessarily doesn't have any business responding to but like i said man it's really um it's really what like what can you do about it? Like <laughs> this is the this is what the internet breeds. This is what social media breeds. Social media has made it okay for people that would never say the type of things that they would say in public to say it online. And then when they get checked, everybody is like shocked. Like you know what I'm saying? Don't be shocked that this is um that this happens with other athletes as well. You know what I'm saying? People that are very heavily into social media, um. Speaking about clapping back, uh, recently, as recent as today, <laughs> so um, Stephen A. Smith is uh, ESPN's workhorse. They have him on two shows, have him doing hits. Wait, what did you call him? A workhorse? A workhorse. A workhorse. I'm going to say workhorse. Okay, now go ahead. Yeah, so that's his. So he's the ESPN's workhorse. They have him on like different. They have him on at least two different shows doing hits. Doing radio shows, doing radio hits, like, uh, like he is working for every penny that he's he's gonna get from ESPN. Um, so recently, Russell Westbrook had a career night where he had a monster triple double game. I believe he had thirty five points, twenty one rebounds, and like fourteen, fifteen assists, and that like set the uh a career record. I mean, the that set the record for like the Washington Wizards. Um, so he had a fabulous night, or um, one of his high accomplished nights, if you could say that for former MVP. But nonetheless, a monster night. Um, so Stephen A, as a response to it on his show, uh, said that he didn't care. That Russ is a great person outside of, you know, basketball. And that we, well, he said the term we what critics I, I believe are not interested in his individual accolade they want to see him win the chip if he doesn't have a chip then that's it i'm par- of course i'm paraphrasing but that's like 
the gist of what he said. Then he doubled down because, again, remember I said he's a workhorse, so he has two different shows, one on ESPN+. Plus. On his ESPN Plus show, he doubled down on it, saying that he doesn't give a damn and that he's had uh, MVP former teammates and this former teammate, and he hasn't done anything, and how Damian Lillard sent them home packing, how he's been sent home packing by James Harden, this, that, and the third, right? So then Russell Westbrook's wife uh, chimed in and called the dis- and called out Stephen A's disrespect, uh, saying something to the effect of it doesn't bother Russell that he doesn't have a championship because he's a ch- he, like he's a great person. He does this, that, and the third. Outside of the um, NBA court, uh, Russell Westbrook had a two-minute response to Stephen A saying that he's a champion outside and, and bringing up the stuff where he's come from. He's uh, I'm, again. I'm paraphrasing that he's come from the streets. He's come from you know a harsh environment. And that he reaches back to like help people out and gives back and stuff and so forth. Um, what do you think about this? Um, this incident right here between uh Russ and uh Stephen A. Uh, there are no winners and no losers. If that makes any sense. So let me preface as I say this. I'm not. A Westbrook fan like that. Um, I think he's a great player. I think he's obviously going to go to the Hall of Fame. He has had one of the funkiest careers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I don't think even AI was this polarizing in a way. Uh, But their careers are kind of now going in sort of like this same trajectory where, you know, they're both high picks. Uh, Obviously, Iverson went one, Westbrook went four. They're both uh, deemed to shoot a lot. They have a lot of critics, but they were able to overcome that. They both made one finals. They both have one um, MVP. They have been the best player on their team and made the playoffs. They have been the second best player on their team and made a conference finals. They've had a very like similar type run. The thing with Westbrook, that I agree with Stephen A is the idea of like the bar can't be that low for Westbrook anymore. He's an MVP. He should be a guy like competing for championships, but he's on the the third worst team in the Eastern conference. That's not with Bradley Beal. Who's been healthy all year. Like the idea that like he was available this summer and nobody wanted him. Nobody. The Wizards had to give up essentially a second-round pick. It's a first-round pick, but if you really look at it, it's really probably a second-round pick to get him. It's like anyone in the league could have had him, and no one wanted him. And it's like the idea that like he is now this, like, I don't know, we're all like kind of feeling bad for him. It's just kind of weird because he's had a great career. And I do think there is – It's fun. I was talking to my friend about this. There is a, a, I think, ring culture is kind of like getting too kind of toxic where, like, dudes will not have guys like Charles Barkley ahead of, like, Draymond Green because Draymond Green has three rings, you know? It's 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 conversations like that or, like, I can look at um, Russell Westbrook even without those rings and still determine that he was a great player. He had a great career. I can still Bro. enjoy watching him play. I can still criticize, have criticism for him in certain aspects of like him not doing this or him not doing that, but that doesn't take away from the greatness of who he is. 
And his job, Stephen A. Smith's job, is to talk about what they perceive to be the biggest stories in sports. And he had a monster triple-double. And it can't just be – you have to understand, like, when people talk, like, it can't simply just be, like, we all know he had a great game. Like, no one's going to say, like, oh, he really had a bad game. You know, you're not going to say that. The conversation is going to be, like, forward thinking. Like, wh- where do we progress this conversation? And the conversation progressed of, like, they obviously they know the Wizards aren't making the playoffs. They obviously know they're not making a championship. The two points that you have to make the question of, like, is, like, is – is this season for them disappointing? And you have to look at it like, yes, they've, they've been disappointing, the Wizards. Uh, I had them as the eighth seed. I thought they would make the playoffs just because I just thought having Westbrook and having Beal, the East isn't that great. And it still proves the point. That's the point. It's not even like the East has all of a sudden been like good and they're like a bunch of elite teams. Like after you get off the, the top three, it's a bunch of mediocrity, you know? Like the, the, uh, Toronto is, I think, 1-11 in 11 their last 12 games. They're only, like, two games out of the play-in. You know, it's it's been that bad. And so I think you can both – they can both be right in their stances of Stephen A has the right to criticize him for the lack of success that he thinks he perceives because of, again, ring culture. And Westbrook can also live in his space of, like, look, I've had a great career. I'm a champion of my own. I've made it here. I've made – almost what 400 million dollars in my career just on the court so that's i mean that'd be that'd be really successful to me too i've been great at something that i've dedicated my life to that only like the one one percent make it out that's a great thing but you can also look at them as being wrong of saying like was that a good time for him to criticize him and westbrook has had a disappointing season like i don't know what other way you can you can you can slice that uh i just i just think it's it's funny because I don't again like I don't like to use social media as a barometer because it's like people sway with the wind. The people who are probably criticizing Stephen A. don't probably are Russell Westbrook fans and people who don't like Stephen A. The people who criticize Westbrook when he shoots four of seventeen probably don't like Russell Westbrook. You know, it's just like you're never gonna find like a true. You're not gonna really find so much like true objectivity where it's like I can criticize Russ but still look at him as a great player because that nuance is not really a space for that. That That's really kind of like the way I looked at it. Um, me and you are kind of similar in thought. Um, Russell Westbrook is a great player, man. Like he's one of like the toughest players there is. Like he doesn't hold back. Like he takes no plays off. Like he puts his all into it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, when Russell Westbrook steps onto the court, you pretty much know what you're going to get. You know, um, you're going to be entertained. Um, he's gonna most likely have a triple double at this point. It's like, <laughs> it's all you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, uh, as um, as most accurate as like the sky coming up or whatever. You know what I'm saying? That he's gonna have a triple double. Um, but here's where my my this here's where my opinions kind of kind of like uh sways um as a as a media personality right i feel that media per media personalities or analysts or such or whatever or broadcasters um they can critique your game you know what i'm saying as long as it's on the court 
you know, I don't know. I don't necessarily have a problem with Stephen A's assessment of what Russell Westbrook. Um, he's for the most part, it's like, all right, bro, like, what else you got? Like, we know you could drop triple doubles on a, you know, what I'm saying, we know you could do that, you know. But Russ is not wrong in what he said as well. Like, he is a champion in life, and he does this, that, and uh, and all these uh, uh, great things outside of the basketball court, but. Stephen A is not wrong, you know what I'm saying? As long as he keeps it, as long as the people keep it, you know, if, as long as the analysts and broadcasters keep it within the realms of the actual sport, you know what I'm saying? You don't just start, start to uh, take jabs at a guy's personal if he's playing, you know, bad or, or what have you. Um, Now, to speak to your point of, like, this ring, ring culture, yo, this is beyond toxic at this point, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's making guys go join up other guys that were like you know that were like star teams and making is is basically dawning the super teams you know, um I don't necessarily think Braun started that super team um that super team wave I mean we could go all the way back to you know ninety what was it ninety six ninety seven when you uh. Barkley was traded to the Rockets, you know, even though it was the twilight, twilight of his career. But I think mm-hmm. that's not that's not acceptable either. Just because guys are in the back end of their primes and they join it and they team up together, that doesn't. I mean, look, hold on, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I was just gonna give you that a story mean, about Tim Duncan. No, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. That doesn't absolve them from from like you know criticism. Like you like you joined the super team. Like everyone does super team. And I think that our that the current culture is just so fixated on judging a talent by rings that they forget about the greatness of somebody. You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace to Elgin Baylor. Elgin Baylor didn't win a ring. You know what I'm saying? Like the year that he actually retired, like midseason, I, I think that's when they, they won actually the won. Yeah. yeah, they won the title. And Elgin Baylor is one of the greatest NBA players to ever touch the court. You know what I mean? Like the guy was so, like he was so good. He he played on weekends and every, and like I think his weekend games, he averaged a, a, a damn yeah, he's a, a NBA double. player for a long time. Yeah, and like he averaged like thirty and like fourteen rebounds. Like, mm-hmm. come on, dog. Like he like just because somebody didn't win a, a ring doesn't mean that their career was shit. And I think that we as NBA fans and of, of course the NBA media always puts like a a a, a hard line in the stance. Like, did you win or did you not? They don't appreciate people that just came, did their thing, and you know. Uh, dipped out without ringless, yeah. you know, and I think that needs to really, really, really come to an end because yeah. you can't have it both ways. Because now guys are saying, okay, so since you want to judge me on winning a ring, right? Since I'm quote unquote trash or my career wasn't fulfilled because I didn't win a ring, now I'm going to go. And now I'm going to go play with somebody that I know we could at least get there. You know what I'm saying? So now everybody's upset that. Oh, James Harden is is teaming up with Kevin Durant, or oh, Kevin Durant is going to nah. You can't do that. We can't have it both ways. And I feel like the doc, the toxicity of of the today's um NBA culture um um just doesn't know what it wants. No, I think again, you can't be. I don't think you can be really uh like using people's opinions about that because again, people sway all the time. I don't know. I don't know if like how much like I just don't I just don't like to listen to these people online, honestly. Like it's people who just are essentially just making 
their own kind of points, and it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think for the average, uh, I think for the average fan, or not, not, not even just, I guess, the average fan, I guess all NBA fans, we've gotten so much into the ring culture that, like, it has now indoctrinated ourselves into how we view everything past, present, and in the future. So it really doesn't matter. Like, that's why I tell people all the time, like, Kawhi has had probably the easiest career of any superstar player because he won so much. He won so much so early. Like, he was finals MVP. I don't think he was even 27 yet, you know? Like, and once you got that, you can – it's so much easier for you to develop into a superstar. Like, to me, it'd be, it's good. Anthony Davis is really going to be, like, the – He's really going to be interesting to see how his career is going to go because he won it so early. If you look at a lot of the guys who win, like, finals MVPs or, like, finally, like, reach the reach the top, right, they win them typically as, like, let's say, like, you know, the one or two. You typically win it between, like, your age 27 and 30 season. That's, like, the year you, like, kind of first win it um, outside of them. There's obviously outliers. Magic. And again, I feel like you have a lot less pressure when you win it super early that it doesn't really matter how your career goes because you already got the ring. Magic, Kobe won it really early. Like I just said, Kawhi won it really early. Um, you don't have that like built-on pressure where it's like, oh, you got to win it or your career is is blank. You got to win it or your career is is that. And like I said before, with AD – He's going to be in an interesting space because he's still fairly young. I believe AD will turn 28 this year. And he already has a ring. But when Le- – and, like, how much longer is he going to essentially have this have this type of career? Where it's like – I would argue, personally, I think Westbrook has had a better career than Anthony Davis. Like – I've seen Westbrook yeah. carry a team to the playoffs as the best player, like mm-hmm. several times, you know, or mm-hmm. one of the two best players. Anthony Davis was not able to do that. Now, Anthony Davis came up big in the postseason, and I will give you credit for that. But if his career essentially has is on a bell curve and he's kind of like on the way down now because he's hurt and maybe he doesn't reach that peak again, where I think a lot of people think it is like he really, this is his prime years and you can't just throw away your prime years. So if he's never right again this season and he's going into his age 29 season next year for a guy who's had had multiple injuries, you don't get healthier the older you get. And I would be very interested to see is if he let's like when and that's the thing, like it apparently looks like him and LeBron are going to play together for a minute now. So at, at some point, he's got to be the best player on their team. Like, it just has to happen. And I would be really interested to see if he is, like I said, kind of now on the back end of his career of, like, yo, like, I'm kind of just this dude, you know? Like, I peaked in the bubble. I played really well. I could have arguably been Defensive Player of the Year last year. Uh, I was the second best player on a championship team. I made huge shots in the playoffs to help us seal the win. No one's going to take that away from you. But are you going to be able to keep this level, keep that level of play up, or now are you kind of going on the back nine of it? Not in terms of his play, but in terms of just the accomplishments that he will get going forward. 
No, I feel you. Um, Yeah. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be on the back end of his career. I mean, this is just like a calf injury, you know what I'm saying? Um, with the way medicine and different stretching and strength. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think his game is going to be affected. I don't think like he's washed or anything like that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is like, is is he going to be able to hit the achievements that are now like his bar? His bar is now, I have to make the finals. If they don't make the finals, it's going to be disappointing. Even if he like, even if it, unless he doesn't come back, like if he's in the game, they're not going to care. They're going to be like, "Did you make the finals?" And some people will look at it. They don't win the finals as a disappointed dis- disappointment. He's got it. They have to make the finals. That's that's where his career is now, and I, that's where I'm talking about. Is he more kind of on the the downturn of it? Yeah. All right, cool. Switching gears a little bit, uh, going back to the previous, just touching on like the previous topic of um, super teams. Uh, the Nets acquired the services of Lamarcus Aldridge from the Spurs in a buyout. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, what are your your first thoughts of like the Brooklyn Nets? A, um, getting uh signing uh your boy Blake Griffin and also acquiring um Lamarcus Aldridge. Uh didn't care. <laughs> like uh I saw yeah, people again you know people have always been kind of saying this is unfair. I mean if you it goes back to the toxicity of today's NBA. Well, it's not even just the toxicity. It's just like, I think people are just dumb, <laughs> honestly. I don't think there are a lot of like people who actually sit down and actually like – I definitely know people who don't watch the games. That's a fact. Media, fans, whatever. There are a lot of people who don't watch the games. Uh, DeAndre, DeAndre, I'm sorry, not DeAndre Jordan. He's bad too. LaMarcus Aldridge has been bad like for for a couple, couple, couple seasons now. Um, you don't typically see guys who get bought out on teams that are trying to make the playoffs, and not like trying to make the playoffs like they're eleven seed. The Spurs are like six in the six in the West, so you know it 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 would behoove you to think that they would want to at least like let him at least like earn his money. Why essentially was he going to be bought out now? And again, like what value does it have? Some people will try to say, well, it's good for the agents, but it's like, all right, he's kind of washed. The San Antonio doesn't necessarily get big-time free agents, he's probably their biggest free agent that they ever got um, in their history. So what exactly is it going to be to them if they, quote-unquote, piss off his agent? It's like he isn't good anymore, <laughs> you know? And so I, I feel like people are looking at it as the idea of what LaMarcus Aldridge was and what LaMarcus Aldridge is. And when it comes to him, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, I will still stand by what I said. I don't have the Nets making out the East. I have them losing to if they now obviously look if Philly and and, and Milwaukee play each other in the second round, then obviously they're going to make the conference finals. But if they're to me, they're losing to either Philly or Milwaukee. I don't know which one. I don't know who they're going to play. I feel more confident in them losing to Milwaukee than I do Philly. But I have them losing to both. And my my reason is, and I will keep saying it, and people, if they want to pull it up later, go ahead. This is not NBA 2K. 
You cannot just throw together 10 random guys and go like, this is going to work. Okay. The eight guys that have to play for them, the Nets in the postseason are not going to be the eight guys playing. The eight guys that have to play are going to be some combination of Durant, Harden, Kyrie, Harris, Claxton, Bruce Brown, uh, Jeff Green, and uh, a up and down version of THC or one of Blake Griffin. Okay, those guys that I just mentioned are not going to be playing. It's going to be Blake. It's going to be DeAndre Jordan. It's going to be LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay, and I would love to know how the hell are LaMarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant going to keep Giannis from the rim. Like, y'all can give me all this stuff about Giannis and building a wall. Yeah, that build-a-wall stuff is cool when you want to get elbows in the face. Them dudes don't want to do that, okay? So I still do not think that that team is making it out of the East just because you need to actually play basketball together. And my final point is that we have already seen this. Now, people, if you want to discount the bubble, fine, whatever. But we've seen a team who their superstars were very much in and out the lineups just last year with the Clippers. Kawhi didn't know what he was going to play. Paul George in and out the lineup the whole time. They came out and said they didn't like the fact of how that was working. All the players on the team said that. And that team got bounced in the second round. Bounced. And I think that Clippers team is more talented in terms of like top to bottom overall talent fit than this Nets team. I understand the Nets have top end talent, but overall as a team, that team does not fit well together. Okay. And I'm going to be interested to see when we get to the playoffs and if they're going to be down 2 1 in the series, what's going to happen? Because, you know, I would love to know how exactly they're going to be able to, you know, Stop fouling Joel Embiid when he's taking, and I'm not being, like, facetious, 15 free throws a game. Like, I, I I, personally don't see how they're stopping that guy. Just It just doesn't really kind of jive in my mind that you're just going to give up 35 points in the paint and to one dude and maybe, like, 15 rebounds. It's like I'm sorry. It's like I just it doesn't this 2K stuff just doesn't make any sense to me. Are we done? Yeah, go ahead. All right, the Nets are gonna beat the shit out of um, Milwaukee. Um, now to 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 your to your point of comparing the Nets to Milwaukee, but I mean I'm sorry, not the Milwaukee Clippers, the LA Clippers of last year. It's some invariables that you're leaving out. All right. Yes, those guys were in and out of the lineup, so you can kind of compare that to KD actually having a hamstring injury and not playing within a month. That's fine. You could compare it to um, Kyrie missing games here and there because his family has personal issues or he's having some type of personal issues. That's all right. No problem. But one thing is that the way you're wrong is that the chemistry of that team of this Brooklyn Nets team is way, way above that of the L.A. Clippers from last season. 
Kawhi and PG both both came into a situation where the the, the the makeup of that team was a gritty, tough team. They played defense. They shared the ball. Um, uh, Lou, Lou Will was the op- absolute closer for that team. They um they they made it. They made they made um everything hard for uh, opposing teams. Um, they they pretty much knew who they were as a team. When PG and Kawhi came. Of course, Kawhi being the reigning at the at the time, the reigning uh, Finals MVP garnered much more like you know preferential treatment. You know what I'm saying? Um, PG not so much, according to people on that team, and they were resentful of the fact that PG was getting that preferential treatment as much as Kawhi. Now on this Brooklyn Nets team, everybody seems to know their place. All right. You ask Bruce Brown, what is he there to do? He's there to rebound, play defense, and shoot when he's open. You ask Joe Harris what he's there to do. He's actually, he'll tell you, play defense, try to rebound, and shoot when he's open. Now, LaMarcus Aldridge came out and said that he's not trying to be an all-star on this squad. He's trying to fit in where his game permits. Now, the chemistry already seems to be bubbling. Everybody said at the at the onset of Harden getting to the uh uh to get his way to the nets that oh the nets are going to combust and how the hell can they do this they they how can the hell can they manage only one ball those guys are have huge egos yada 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 they're one game out of the uh top spot in the east and if they win today they they uh they they actually get into the top seed in the uh, in the east okay um they've lost about two games in their last 13 and that's with Kyrie in and out of the lineup and with uh, KD out of the lineup, so I'm pretty much set that they're going to beat the shit out of whoever is whoever's in front of them in the East. Okay, now going back to the actual um question that I had regarding Lamarcus Aldridge um signing to them. Now, I pretty much think the reason why they signed him does does two things right i'm I'm caught of course they kind of stretches out the floor because he shoots threes in today's nba you have to shoot threes if you want to even have a job for most right but the thing is that people what people are missing out on is that the miami heat that he was rumored to sign with the to be signing with the miami heat before the actual uh trade deadline right i mean to yeah that if he was to be bought out he'll eventually sign with the miami heat my the miami heat actually made room for him by actually trading away kelly olenic so now so now that they did that now curveball was thrown where now he signs with the brooklyn nets because i guess he feels like this is the his best opportunity to win the championship Going back to our original point at the onset of the show is that how toxic the NBA culture is that they judge you based on how many championships you won. So I guess he wants to, that being LaMarcus Aldridge, wants to go and win a championship with the Brooklyn Nets. So let me read you the the reason why I bring up the Heat is that the Heat got fucked. <laughs> like, outside of like, I guess I would say like the magic, I the Heat are one of the biggest losers of this whole trade deadline thing because let me read to you who they have at center and at power forward. They have Precious Ochoa at power forward. They have Bam Adebayo at center. They have 
Udonis Haslam listed it here on Basketball Reference as a center, and they have KZ Akpala as a power forward with what's how do you pronounce it? That Manjai Bialika at power forward. Now the tallest person out of all that I named is six ten. 234 pounds. Like, I don't see them getting out of the first round. I mean, they did, they did, I guess, trade for Victor Oladipo. Um, Depot has not been showing that, that his game, I guess, has, 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 has recovered from like that horrific knee, uh, knee injury that he sustained over two years ago. You know what I'm saying? So, I definitely see um and plus Milwaukee I all right, so like like I said, Milwaukee they don't have enough firepower. Like they simply just do not have enough firepower to, to, to beat the Brooklyn Nets. Um the thing with Giannis is that Giannis still hasn't elevated his games to where he could consistently shoot not a three pointer, not not a three pointer. Just give me a sixteen foot jump shot. Is it possible you could give me a 16-foot uh, jump shot? You know what I'm saying? Uh, as far as the 76ers goes, I mean, Danny Green dropped the what? How much he dropped the Knicks the other day? Like 17 points. He dotted uh, RJ Barrett's eyes. I'll give him that. But again, this man shot 22% from three in the NBA Finals. Seth Curry is a liability on defense. Thibault. Although he does play defense, you can't count on him to score 20 points consistently. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Shake Milton, you can't count on him to, to, to play any meaningful minutes because he's not playing any meaningful minutes now. Like he does, he's not doing anything now. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, the, the uh, Brooklyn Nets are definitely going to go, go to the finals. Um, championship is actually theirs to lose. If they don't win this championship, then, of course, it'll be a big, big stain on on their uh, respective careers. But I want to go now to Lamar, uh, not Lamarcus Aldridge, I'm sorry, um, Andre Drummond. Now, Andre Drummond was told, or Andre Drummond agreed with the Cleveland Cavaliers to stop, um, that they were going to arrest him because they wanted to trade him, right? Trade deadline came and went. Bought him out, and he eventually signed up to become the center for the Los Angeles Lakers, right? So the Lakers now ha- are in a are in a bind because a the LeBron is hurt; he probably won't come back for another four weeks or so with a high ankle sprain. Uh, AD. AD's situation just keeps changing. Uh, last week, they said he'll be, uh, I guess, starting practice within two weeks. And now they're saying, hey, he, he's going to need another two weeks to come and um, actually, like, uh, start practice or what have you. Um, Legs are currently sitting at fourth in the West. What do you think this uh, Andre Drummond signing gives gives uh, does to the uh, Los Angeles Lakers? Do you think that they maintain like stability and that they'll stay 
between that three and that four, or are they going to drop all the way down to like playing tournament level? Uh, so if you look at their schedule coming up, it to me there there's no way they're not somewhere in between the sixth and seventh seed. Uh, it came out Shams reporting that LeBron's expecting to miss the next three to five weeks, so that is essentially the end of April uh, for his return. I have no idea when uh, AD is supposed to come back. They said three plus weeks, and I believe that was two weeks ago. So, every t- every two weeks, they say two weeks. Yeah. So, again, you don't know how it's going to be. This Lakers team is bad without those two guys. And, again, most teams, when you don't have your two superstars, especially with what you traded for to get – um, what you traded for to get Anthony Davis, you're not going to have depth. Um, and again, this is kind of the reason why I think I was more inclined for them to trade for Lowry is because you're already all in. You know, and I think part of the reason why I guess a team they really want to trade for Lowry was because, or Lowry didn't want to get into a team, was also because of the idea that the team probably didn't want to give Lowry 25 million for the next two seasons. Which, for the Lakers' perspective, I can understand that you you're probably you're hard capped already. If you then sign Lowry to some ridiculous contract, you're you know he, you're 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 really 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 tying your horse to LeBron and AD, who have now shown you that they're not Superman. This is the second year of out of three that LeBron's going to miss over twenty games with the Lakers, and so it's it's something that would have them in a place where they don't generate enough offense without Anthony Davis and and, uh, and LeBron to, like, compete. And they play the Bucks in a couple of days. Um, they, play, they play the Bucks really soon. Uh, I think they have a chance to manage it enough as they can, but the, the West is so tight. They're only a game up on, on uh, Denver and the Clippers. No, the Clippers passed them. I'm sorry. The Clippers are, yeah. Yeah, they're only a game up on Denver and uh, and Portland for the four spot right now. And I think Dallas, I think, is three games back of them for seventh. So, or the Spurs, rather. So, it's going to be a dogfight. Can Schroeder and Montrez generate enough offense for them to win games? I think there's going to be some teams that they play. They play Orlando soon. Um there are going to be some teams that they're going to play that they can just essentially, like, if they play good enough defense, they can muster together 105 points to win. Uh, the sub-5, they got they have to beat the sub-500 teams. Yes, they have to beat the sub-500 teams, and they're probably going to have to win a game against a team that's probably, like, around, like, 500 against them, you know. I know they play the Raptors soon. They have the Knicks coming up in a couple of weeks. Those are the games that they're going to have to – to at least split, especially on the road coming up in the short order. I think the biggest question is kind of going to be, does this matter? And for me, uh, they've already shown that they can now win in the postseason. So you have to give them some benefit of the doubt. I'm a big proponent of a of getting you know your team, getting you know your chemistry, stuff like that. The playoffs don't really start, even if they're in the playing game, until May 18th. That's essentially six weeks from now. Seven weeks. Can AD and LeBron get back in the next five weeks 
and then take those next two weeks to kind of like get things back going and even maybe avoid that playing game? Probably. But for the Lakers, I don't – I think have having them tread water this long will be fine. It's really just going to come down to the idea of are they able to keep keep this level of intensity going for this long. And, again, there's unless, – unless everyone thinks – I think a lot of times people keep trying to rush the idea of, like, us getting back to normal before, like, we have actually any evidence that we are going to, quote, get back to normal. Why do I think there are going to be fans in the stands in two months, you know? Like, half people don't believe in the virus. The other half of the people don't want to get the vaccine. And you, Yo, did you did you see what um Baylor's coach said? <laughs> Woman, Baylor's uh, basketball. Did you see Baylor's uh, women's basketball coach? About the conference? virus? I don't know what to do about it. No, she said, um, oh, well, that was a foul, actually. You know what I'm saying? With that uh, UConn's women's, the women's uh, NCAA tournament, it was uh, UConn versus um, Baylor women's uh, basketball. And, like, at the end, uh, one of the uh, players from Baylor had the ball, and she was going for a jump shot. She was fouled. Yes, like, yeah, we know what happened. Like what were you going to say? By, like, three different, like, three different people. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Um, yes, but, I saw um, the game. What, what, yeah, what were you saying about the coach? Yeah, but... I was giving the context to the you know to the listeners, but anyway, yeah. So she said, said she said um something to the effect of like, oh, wouldn't it be a sh-? no? She said that, and I'm paraphrasing, that they should stop testing for the virus in in the women's final four and the men's final four because it would be a shame if the games were postponed or canceled. Okay. And everybody was just like, what? I don't know what, yeah, I don't like, really know what to do with that. Um, <laughs> like, that's yeah. a little bit of backstory. She did bring the women's, the women's uh, basketball team to go see Trump. So, so the what? To go see Trump at the White House. Again, Back, like I said, uh, last before. year, it's, it's, I, I do not know where to stand with her. Anyway, so what I was saying is, like, I don't know if we're going to have fans back. Like I said, I don't know when we're getting fans back. I don't know if we're going to have fans back at any point this season inside of arenas and my thinking on that is the idea of like we're not gonna have fans back at least anytime soon what's the problem of la going on the road to you know denver obviously they play the clippers that's they're at home um like san antonio like it doesn't even if they're on the even if they're on the road all three rounds they play let's say utah or you know Obviously, they're playing the Clippers. It's basically a home game. Utah, Denver, Portland. There's not really going to be any place that I think is really good, uh, a detriment to them. Um, the only the only thing that maybe, and again, this is a this is a wild like maybe, is the idea of is it easier to catch it when you're doing more travel than a team at home. So if you look at it like a team like Utah. Um, if you're able to win win your games quicker or like you have an easier opponent, then it's like, all right, we can stay in our hotels, our spaces, we can quarantine with our our uh, uh, players easier than if we're going on the road. I don't think that's really going to matter. I just think that so long as they're able to keep some level of pace up and they just don't go into the complete tank, I still don't really have a problem with them, but they're not finishing – in the top. They're not going to have home court advantage. They're they're getting passed at some point. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, keeping it with the LA teams, uh, what do you think about the Clippers trading for Rajon Rondo and potentially signing Boogie Cousins? Do you think they stay within that one to two, three realm, or do they does this does this move the needle at all? It's again, no. There nothing in the regular season matters that the Clippers do. It comes down to are they are their stars gonna show up in the postseason? Um they have enough talent to win the whole thing. Are they gonna win the whole thing? I don't know. You know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Uh not getting boogie boogie's bad. I know people like Boogie. He's not a good NBA player anymore. Um, he can't play against like any anybody that they would face in the postseason. Joker, uh, Rudy Gobert, Embiid. If they got to the finals, like it's it's yeah, like KD. Like it's <laughs> it's over for him. I feel bad, you know. Yo, no, man, he had four forty million on the table. What? Dog. Yeah, $40 million on the table to sign back with the young Yeah, guy. and, you know, you make business decisions, and people don't think about it burning you. But, yeah, no, I don't think this will do anything. I mean, uh, what I think it is, I mean, of course they needed a point guard to, you know, ease some of the tensions off. Because Ka- Kawhi and PG, they're not, they're not facilitators. Like, they're, they're, that's not what their job is. Their job is to play defense and score the ball as much time as possible. You know what I'm saying? That all that for trying to facilitate and get people involved and giving guys the rock, you know what I'm saying? And uh just, you know, weighed down on them. And like when the fourth quarter came, they had no legs, you know. So this so Rondo, so with the addition of Rondo, it does kind of like, you know, ease the burden or what have you. Um, it brings additional leadership, accountability to hold guys accountable. But I don't know as far as PG, like I don't know. How you can hold PG accountable? I mean, I like the guy, but he's kind of like a narcissist. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, I don't think he he knows how to take. He knows to take like you know just accountability for anything, you know. But um, we'll see. Um, they definitely, they definitely, definitely plug the hole that they had. But then again, you lose will will like that's firepower. You know what I'm saying? So where is the off the bench firepower going to come from? That you're gonna need in the West because look what it because look who look, look who's in the West though you got right, let's just start with Denver right you have Jokic you have Murray you have Gordon and you have uh, Michael Porter Jr. who's actually upped his game in the last twenty games he's been shooting fifty one percent from three you know what I'm saying averaging twenty points in the last twenty games so that you have Denver then you have of course. LA once KD, I mean once uh AD and Braun gets back. Then you have the Suns, but like with PG, I mean with uh CP3, I mean running point, like it, it's just a lot of firepower that they gotta contend with. So I just, I'm I'm curious to see how well they do in the um in the first round. The first round will tell me everything. But um yeah, man, so Switching up from sports, uh, oh yeah, let me give you a Deshaun. Uh, did you uh see the new um, Deshaun Watson update? Oh, that his they gave out a bunch of massage people that he that he's not that he's went to or whatever. Nah, that he has up to twenty illegal uh lawsuits now, and that um, you remember the 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 way that they were like the 
the guy, the the attorney Busby for these women, you know how he was like he was gonna like you know, um, he's gonna cooperate with local law enforcement. He's gonna give them you know, some um some evidence or what have you. He hasn't given up any uh, evidence. You know what I'm saying to to local law enforcement. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. Uh, yeah, so. Now going to a little bit of going into some politics. Um, New York City, well, New York State has voted to legalize uh, marijuana. They're going to legalize up to a person that is twenty-one years old or older will be able to carry around three ounces of marijuana. They're going to start uh, releasing expunging people's records that was. Um, jailed on carrying that type that uh, amount of marijuana also they are going to um i guess uh give resources to the local um black and brown communities that were subject to like um these um drug laws you know what i'm saying put in place there they are projected to 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 make up to 4.6 billion dollars and they'll take 350 million of that uh 4.6 billion and redistribute that into um communities of color um to try to make amends for you know the drug laws that were placed upon us you know back when what do you think um yeah what is what is your overall opinion on this um on this new legislation uh, piece of legislation uh congrats to us now we can have weed in New York. I think the biggest thing is the fact that they're now trying to expunge the criminal records of of people who were arrested in New York for drug charges, for these weed charges, which I think is the is, is that's really what this comes down to for me. If you notice just what if you watch any of the press clippings from Cuomo's who, you know, you can argue maybe he's this is this is good timing. Uh, it's great. He also he did he did mention this beforehand, uh, before that like this was going to be coming down the pipe, uh, of the weed charges and stuff. Not the weed charges, but legalizing legalizing marijuana. Um, yeah, I think it's just it's just good the fact that we're going to stop locking people up for dime bags. Yeah, yeah, and it gives the city a chance to like you know recoup on that. I think it was like forty six billion dollars that we're in debt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, good good for New York City. Um, good job to local politicians for doing something right for once. You know what I'm saying? Um, so again, keeping up with the theme of non-sports, what do you think about this whole Quavo situation where it was him and uh, Sweetie had that altercation in the um elevator? These elevators, man. Yeah, elevators aren't great. For, a lot of shit. For yeah, a lot of shit goes down. Uh, for sure. Yeah, so like um I think that it's unfortunate. I was having a conversation with someone whether or not this was gonna turn into anything. And it's hard to gauge just because you know what really could be his repercussion. Like they can't tour, at least the way they want to tour because of COVID. Um you're not you saw some backlash from yesterday, but not not the way that I've seen stuff before. Maybe because if you see the video, again, I'm not trying to downgrade what the man did, but it's 
it's a physical altercation, yes. Um, I don't think it's maybe to the level of things that we've seen in the past from people in elevators, i.e. Ray Rice or Solange. Um, but it is definitely not a good look. It's not something that should have went down. And But in terms of like brass tacks, what this means for his career and her career, I think I, I think I maybe overreacted to the idea of initially seeing the video, thinking there was going to be a lot more of care about it when there really hasn't been that much. And I just think from from evidence that we've seen before, if you want to use like Tory Lanes or you know other other guys like that, once you have a set amount of fans, it kind of doesn't really matter what you get done unless it's like something criminal. We've we've talked about this before. Like I. I don't believe in cancer culture. I still don't think it's a real thing. Um, if you have the talent, you'll be fine. And, you know, he has an album coming out. We don't know when, but I would assume within a month. And we'll see what, what happens with that. And if if his numbers, quote unquote, go down, you know, we'll see in a couple weeks. Yeah, I really don't. I mean,. It's bad, you know what I'm saying? It's a bad anytime you get into any physical altercation with a woman, you know what I'm saying? Because it just goes back, this just goes to show you that women, it, there is a double standard in America that, and women get treated awful, you know what I'm saying? Real, real awful, and, and, and like justice just, you know, goes by the wayside most times. So, yeah, I, I do see where people would would be irate with what happened. Um. I didn't see as much vitriol today as I saw yesterday. It was almost like people forgot about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I have though, in terms of like what it's, what it, I don't believe that this is going to do anything to him because my whole damn day I've been hearing in a position to win, uh, in a position to lose, uh, on the damn TV, and then he has another, another ad on the on the television. That I've been singing like this song stuck in my head so much that mm-hmm. I've been singing it, but then now it's like I, it, it escapes me. But yeah, he like he has like a two, at least two um different ads on 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 the TV. You know what I'm saying? Like two commercials that's going on right now. Um, did you know that Takeoff was involved in some type of like sexual assault type of lawsuit? I did not. I just saw that online too. I didn't. See that. Yeah. So and that's been and I think that was from like last year or the year before. You know what I'm saying? So. Unfortunately, I don't think anybody like this is going to like, you know, hurt him or anything like that. You know, it's going to dampen his career, you know, just like you said, like, um, even though I do believe in cancel culture, I just don't think that cancel culture will affect Quavo in any, in any monet will affect any, anything mm-hmm. with him or his, um, monetary funds. Um, but, um, is there anything that you wanted to, uh, tackle? No, I think we touched on everything. All right, all right, cool. So, all right, everyone, this has been another episode of the Respectfully Unruly Podcast with your boy AB and just call him Just. Y'all have a fine evening. Deuces. <laughs>